If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 166 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on December 11th, 2022. Guys, (laughs) last week... During our Aaron Judge discussion, you had to know that this was how I was starting the show. Come on now. Last week, during when we were talking about Aaron Judge, I reiterated what I had been saying for months. Not just a couple Yapping Yankees episodes, a few weeks, but months for most of the season that I believe that Aaron Judge will... Remain a New York Yankee. I also said that in my personal opinion, with last week's poll question, that I believed that it could very well get done and likely would get done during the winter meetings. And then, proving once again that I must be some sort of a prophet of some kind. Prophet of what? I don't know, but something. Because this past week, as of Wednesday, when the clock was running down on the winter meetings, the last day of the winter meetings, I was officially correct on both counts, as were many others who rightfully decided to maintain their confidence in the face of our franchise, because we woke up on Wednesday morning to the news of Aaron James Judge signing a nine-year, $360 million deal with the Yankees, which is also a contract number of years and number of money that we even precisely mentioned on this show, as was also mentioned on social media throughout the last couple of weeks amongst the Yankee community. This is a deserved round of applause, yes. Our boy is staying, people. And for reportedly less than he was offered from other teams or what other teams may have been willing to offer, i.e. the Padres, who apparently emerged as another team towards the end of talks. I even said last week that who knows, maybe even another team could emerge and throw their hat into the ring. And even if no official offer was made, I'm pretty sure that it would have been higher and that eventually the Giants would have been willing to match it. That's also what people within the industry were saying. But in the end, it didn't matter. You know why? Because Aaron Judge, at least to me, proved once and for all that if you truly want to be somewhere, that that is where you will make sure that you stay. Because he proved, as I had hoped and prayed he would, and am not surprised, that at least some loyalty 
does still exist in this vast business where almost all just go for the money and nothing more. Yet before anything was even officially signed, you did have your share of people already prepared to call him the next Cano 2.0, as if Cano, despite having had great days here in the Bronx, of course, no argument there, but as if it's even a valid comparison based off of what Aaron Judge managed to accomplish just in the last couple of years, let alone last year, of course, and in 2017. You just need a World Series title to match, that's all. And people hurling insults and assumptions left and right, as if he was already as good as gone. And honestly, if you were one of those people, listen, I know nobody's ever always right or always wrong, but if you were one of those people, I mean, I kept on even saying on Twitter, I mean, nothing has even officially happened yet. And I get people are getting nervous, they're on edge, but can we just wait for something to freaking happen over here before you go just berserk? Next time, just check yourselves. The next time you talk your crap before anything even officially goes down, guys. But I'm not going to focus on the negative here and what could have happened or would have happened had something else taken place. I could not be happier. I really couldn't. I could not be happier. A lot of people even gave that exact contract total nine years, 360. I dropped that mention on this podcast because I agreed that it could very well be that or something around there. I even said like others did, that I felt he was coming back. I remain confident while also acknowledging the possibility of him leaving because, you know, it was never 100-0, him staying. It never is that way in these days anymore with anybody. But I just maintained my confidence that he would stay. I even tweeted it. I said, I refuse to believe that Aaron Judge is leaving the Yankees until the very moment it is actually to happen. I just refuse to believe it. Because I couldn't imagine it, to be honest. Couldn't even come to terms with the possibility. (sighs) God, I could not be happier. So much so that I couldn't even start to think about the other moves that I still want them to make. (laughs) The day that this signing happened. I just focused on this. I just made Wednesday like an, an internal celebration day. And definitely externally as well. You best believe that I was plenty loud and obnoxious all over social media as per usual. And also at my job and the whole nine yards in my house. You know the deal. (laughs) In case you didn't see it for yourself as far as social media. (laughs) Uh, They did what needed to be done, guys. They offered the big payday. And despite, again, reportedly possibly or legitimately being offered higher and for more years elsewhere, Judge chose the Yankees. Loyalty is not dead. Judge wanted to be here, and he stuck by the words he always preached about how much he loves it here and how he wants to win. He apparently got on the phone with Hal, they spoke, they closed the deal, Judge asked for a ninth year, Hal gave it, and it was as quick as that after that. At least that's how it sounded. The thing that we have to hope for now, at this point, is that the Yankees put the proper team around him and stop making dopey decisions. And they can make that dream of his and ours 
about winning come true. Because then it'll just be Yankees bliss. Because that's what Aaron Judge has preached forever now. Guy wants to win. We want to win. We're tired of this, let alone World Series drought, but even a pennant drought. Yankees have not even seen the World Series since they last won. So let's hope the Yankees make the right decisions from here because the work isn't done yet. A lot of people were quick to mention whether they were happy about this or not, which those who aren't happy about it, I mean, I I question your sanity to a certain degree. Of course, people have their valid concerns. I'm not going to make believe that, you know, everybody out there who has even a slight concern about this is, you know, totally insane. Some of them are rational and level-headed and understandable. But there are people out there who, you know, inevitably, because you can never please everybody, you know, just they, they completely hate this, which I just can't understand for reasons that are completely irrational, nonsensical. But... One of the things mentioned that is plenty rational is that the work isn't done yet. And the fact that, yeah, it's great that they brought him back, that they brought Judge back, but right now, other than another addition that they made this past week that I'll mention again in a little bit, this is basically the same Yankee team that got swept by the Astros, got their asses handed to them. So they got to do more. There's more work to do to fill holes and truly improve this team. The work isn't done yet. And the people saying that are completely correct. And in doing that, if they do the right things and stop making stupid decisions, taking on stupid contracts, all and everything else, you know the deal, then the goals of Judge and the goals of each and every one of us faithfully watching every single day during the season and postseason will finally see the light of day, and that is hopefully a World Series championship. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to briefly interrupt this heartfelt and joyful monologue about Judge's re-signing and take this time to again say, as I've said so many times, but never more strongly than I do now, screw John Heyman. (laughs) He takes to Twitter Tuesday night and tweets out a beyond premature announcement that Judge seemed to be headed to the Giants. And I had to mention this before I just went on and on, just letting my emotions take over about Aaron Judge and his return and everything else, but I... I couldn't go any longer without mentioning this because I would have forgotten it and never would have forgiven myself. But this guy seriously did that. If you don't have Twitter, then you didn't see this happening. But for those who do, then they know the outrage that I felt. And honestly, even a little bit, even though it was made official that Judge is a Yankee again, of course. So in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter as much anymore. But I kind of still am ticked off about it. (laughs) That... He seriously, prematurely went on Twitter Tuesday night, and I guess he heard some sort of rumbling about something. I don't know. He had to hear something to do something this boneheaded. Went to Twitter on Tuesday night and basically put out a tweet. Not basically, he actually did. Put out a tweet pretty much saying that it seems judges headed to the Giants. (laughs) You dope. (laughs) He had to walk it back, like, not 15 minutes later, because he jumped the gun, as he put it. Quote-unquote, jumped the gun. Another, yet another, just in case needed anything else, (laughs) another fine example of him 
to add to the mountain's worth of evidence of him representing the very definition of a hack. You want to learn or witness the pinnacle of unacceptable and irresponsible reporting? Just follow John Heyman for a little while. You'll be overwhelmed. You can't botch that. You just can't. You can't do it in general. I, I, I get that everyone makes mistakes. I understand. If anyone's understanding of that, it's me. But especially with the Aaron Judge contract, and he misspells his name in the tweet too. Calls him Arson Judge, which everybody else has been getting on his case about. Everybody's jokingly saying Arson Judge, Arson Judge. It's going to be sad to see Arson Judge and the Giants, but we got Aaron Judge back. People are just ragging on him, and he deserves it. <laughs> Arson Judge. Are you a complete moron? This is something you botched. I mean, the entire world was watching every second and refreshing Twitter to the point of their thumbs almost falling off 24-7. And you go and you tweet that. <laughs> oh. <sighs> Just retire, John. Retire. Turn in your press pass and retire. It's time to go. I get that being first is important for some of these reporters for some reason. But I guess I have to be the first to tell guys like Heyman this, even though they've been in the industry since before I was even born. But we the people care more about accuracy than speed, guys. This is why I've preached for years now. On here, on social media, everywhere. Trust Jeff Passan and no one else. No one. Maybe Ken Rosenthal. Maybe. But for me, it's mainly Passan. And no one else. Listen to me, people. With this, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> It'll save you lots of anxiety and potential heartbreak. If you're a regular Twitter user and you were a victim of John Heyman like I and everybody else unfortunately was, please trust me here. Please. What a freaking choke job. Oh, God. Now, every single time, even I've taken part in this, every single time he puts out even the slightest baseball announcement now, I put a comment underneath and I'm like, are you sure? Uh, I certainly couldn't talk about this without bringing up the whole Heyman fiasco, of course. Could not talk about the Aaron Judge news without talking about that. It was just a circus. <laughs> but it sure as hell hasn't ruined my excitement over Judge. I'll be damned the day that I let that happen. But just had to mention it. And another thing. This is actually, you know, on a better note. But... I have to give, and, and not full props, because again, like I said, the job is not done. The Yankees have more work to do. I'll give full props when the rest of the work that's necessary is done. But I have to give at least some props to Hal Steinbrenner. I know, I know, that's shocking to some people. Right now, whatever device you're listening on, you'll be like, what the hell, Mike is giving Hal Steinbrenner props? Yeah, I am. Now pick your jaw up off the floor for a second just in time to hear what I have to say. 
The reason why I'm doing that is because apparently this man during the winter meetings, I don't know if he's still there. I don't keep track of the guy's life. I don't really care, but he apparently at least was, don't know if he still is, but at least was at the time of judges resigning his agreement between him and the Yankees at the time Hal Steinbrenner was apparently on vacation in Italy. Italy's a beautiful country. I've been there 10 times myself. I have a lot of friends, family over there. I get it. If anyone understands the appeal to Italy, it's me. He was in Italy and called Aaron Judge up, and they had a one-on-one discussion, apparently, and Hal Steinbrenner apparently single-handedly sealed the deal. Single-handedly. He asked Judge, apparently, do you want to be a Yankee? Judge said, of course. He said, yeah, I do. Um, But the Yankees were apparently sitting in the low 300s around eight years, like we had spoken about last week. And Judge basically simply just asked, he's like, "Uh, can I get that ninth year? I would like that ninth year. And without hesitation, Hal gave it to him, and apparently, done. So props to Hal Steinbrenner for taking initiative calling up Aaron Judge personally, the owner of the Yankees, George's son, and in this instance, he certainly channeled some of his father through him, and I'm glad he did for something as necessary as this. He single-handedly closed the deal, gave Judge that ninth year seemingly without any hesitation, and that's all it took. Even with offers on the table that apparently could have been, or already were, if they were officially offered to him, were higher. There were rumors that the Padres were being willing to offer him 10 years, 400. And people were confident, as I said before, that the Giants probably would have gone somewhere else similar. The team who said that they would not be outbid no matter what. None of it matters. Because Aaron Judge wanted to be a Yankee, and so it remained that way. So, again, once more, I salute and give plenty of props to Hal Steinbrenner, and I will continue to do so to him and the remainder of the front office if they do whatever else is necessary to put a championship team on the field in every facet possible. But I do have to give at least partial props for this because that was pretty freaking badass of Hal to do that. It really was, I'm just being honest. Really badass of him to just single-handedly take control of the situation there and make sure that it got done. Really cool stuff there. So, all good with Aaron Judge, guys. The deal is done. A lot of people are saying, oh, nine years of commitment. You know, how many people are good past age 36 or 37? And when he gets there, especially a guy his size, how's he still going to do good? How's he still going to hit home runs? How's he still going to contribute? Blah, 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 blah. And those are fine concerns to have, guys. It is what it is. But... I got to tell you, as far as worrying about 36-37, how about you worry about what the Yankees and many of the rest of us are worried about? How about just the next couple of years when Aaron Judge is still in his prime? The Yankees are in a win-now mode. And yeah, they have miserably failed the last few years. Nobody's, nobody's excusing them of that. Certainly not me. You've heard me go nuts about them the last few years. Nobody's excusing them of it. But the fact of the matter is the Yankees want to win now and their main focus is the next few years, which is the most important part of Aaron Judge's contract, of course. So worry about that. The back end of the deal, when a, with a long-term contract like this, when you want to win now, 
That's more of a we'll cross that bridge when we get to it situation. So I'm not worried about that. Is it a lot of money? 40 per? Yeah, it is. But we knew that he was going to get money somewhat close to that, if not exactly that, the entire time. And like I said, other teams may have been willing to offer him even more than that if you think the Yankees paid too much. It was always going to be a lot, guys. Judge turned down a deal before the season started of around seven years and 213, give or take. He turned it down, decided to bet on himself, and said, I am worth more than this, and I'm going to prove it to you. And he again, as if I haven't said it enough already, went on after that to have a a once-in-a-lifetime season. And might that be the very best season he has? Well, I mean, if it's not, then he might legitimately go down as one of the game's best players ever because to beat that season would be unbelievable. (laughs) But even if it is, you don't need Aaron Judge to hit 60 home runs every year. I mean, this year, thank God he did because I want to mention again that he basically was the main reason they even made it to the playoffs. So if you're starting to run out of reasons to love Aaron Judge or find a way to rationalize this deal, then why don't you try to remember that? He's even the reason they even went to the playoffs. He carried them. What he did, the rest of the team did. They follow him. They respect him. They love him. His teammates have said this themselves. This man's the face of the Yankees, and in a lot of ways, the face of baseball. And if the Yankees would have lost him, they would have lost a chunk of, or maybe even all, of their identity. And trust me, it wouldn't have been good. This was going to happen. This kind of money and this length of a contract was going to happen the entire time. It was just a matter of who he was going to choose, who was going to be willing to give it to him. And it was the Yankees at the end of the day. He even said himself, he did not want to sacrifice his legacy for the sake of dollars. Seemed like the only thing that mattered to him really was just that ninth year. And the Yankees gave it to him without seemingly any issue. And that's all it took. That's it. And otherwise, he got the contract that he bet on himself for and ultimately deserved. And it was crazy, all the film of him arriving in San Francisco a while back that we even spoke about. Apparently all that was staged. (laughs) Apparently that was even earlier on. And, And all the quotes they were bringing up again about him being upset with the Yankees about them making the original offer public, which we all knew that Aaron Judge wasn't necessarily happy about that. That really wasn't news that that was being brought up again. But they were using these quotes about him talking about how he wasn't too happy about that original offer before the season started going public. And they revealed, oh, those quotes are from months and months and months ago around the time the season started or maybe even before that. Right around opening day. And they were re-releasing him as if he was just saying it now. So the media, maybe even his camp, doing a really good job there, making people sweat a little bit. (laughs) But I just, it was weird because with someone that I care about as much as I do judge, I would normally be flying off the handle about this sort of a thing. But I just strangely stayed very patient. I was like, let's just see what the final decision is. And if he leaves, then I'll I'll let the animal out of the cage. But until then, I'm just going to strangely, yeah, strangely, try to keep a level head about this. Just see what happens. It's really funny. That video about him stopping off in San Francisco is I'm visiting people, visiting family, friends. 
<laughs> that wasn't even recent. And those quotes that they were re re-releasing about him being unhappy about the Yankees making the original offer public. Old quotes. <laughs> ah, it's just funny how the whole thing developed. It's crazy. And then we all woke up to the news on Wednesday morning, and it was just bliss. It was amazing. What a day that was. My goodness. So Aaron Judge, I spent over 20 minutes on it already, as I knew I would because of how much I love the guy. But he is back with the Yankees. He's staying here for the rest of his career. And we know what could very well happen next. We know. I think at this point, we're just waiting. Just waiting. On that captain announcement. Because I think we all know that eventually it's coming. And it has even been mentioned amongst the Yankees yet again. Cashman spoke about it briefly. And he even said that that decision really has to come from Hal Steinbrenner. But if Hal made it official, then Cashman, of course, would really not have much of a problem with it at all. As I'm sure not many of the rest of us would have an issue with it either. I certainly wouldn't. But I will say the same thing yet again that I said before when talking about people comparing him to, in any way, to Robinson Cano, which I think is just a disgraceful comparison, especially before anything was to even take place. But the one thing that still has to happen to make people feel even better about that captainship is Judge getting a title. And a lot of that is under the Yankees' control, too. Will they put the team around him? Necessary to do so, to win. Will they do many or all of the things, perhaps, that a lot of us had on our offseason wish lists? Things that are vital, necessary, to making this team a potential championship team. Because although Judge can do a lot of the heavy lifting, he, like any other legend, can't take the team to a World Series all by himself. There do need to be some other names there helping out along the way. He can do a lot of the heavy lifting, as is his job as the face of this team, the face of this franchise right now. But he needs help from those around him too. It can only be taken so far with him doing it all by himself. So, but speaking of the rest of the team around him and Brian Cashman and Brian Cashman really being the guy that is in control of a lot of what happens with the rest of the team around Aaron Judge, why don't we move right on to Yankees news for the first thing that happened this past week as a perfect transition. Because like I just said, speaking of Cashman and the rest of the team around him, which he mainly has control over, why don't we get to the first piece of news that happened all the way back on Monday six days ago. And that news was that Brian Cashman re-signed with the Yankees. Four-year contract through the 2026 season. We all know that Cashman heading into this winter, his contract expired. And he would have to re-sign for the Yankees if he were to return as GM. Otherwise, they would have to potentially look into getting other people, God forbid, But he's back four years through the 2026 season. Brian Cashman remains the Yankees general manager. Um, 
whoever the host of Jeopardy is nowadays, uh, I'll take something that literally every last Yankee fan with half a brain and a pulse saw coming from a million miles away for 500, please. Thank you. I mean, really, who out there did not see this coming? This is a guy who did a press conference with Aaron Boone shortly after the World Series with him and literally told the public and the media, all of us, that his contract had expired like a week prior, yet he was still addressing the public as if he was still under contract as the Yankees general manager. And you think this guy wasn't coming back? We've been talking about since the season ended, and especially since that press conference, that, listen, Cashman might as well be as good as back already, even if the contract isn't official. This guy is an official seat at the Steinbrenner dinner table. We knew Hal wasn't making a change. The Steinbrenners love Cashman. They're comfortable with him. They're plenty content with handing him the keys to the castle. He's never going anywhere. And especially that press conference confirmed it to all of us. He was still addressing everybody as if he was still perfectly under contract. So as much as all of us, or almost all of us, because I think it's safe to say that at least almost all of us were ready to maybe start thinking about having a new face leading the way here, no matter how much we wanted that, and I was on that train officially, we all just knew it wasn't happening. We might have liked for it to, but I knew, especially after seeing that press conference, that it was never happening. It just wasn't. Wasn't happening. I was like, this guy is talking as the Yankees general manager when his contract is officially expired as of like a week prior. Come on. So, whether we like it or not, Cashman is back for another four years through 2026. Now, the next day, this is actually a piece of news that I and the vast majority of Yankee fans, I think it's safe to say, were very happy about. And that is the fact that Tommy Canely, remember him? Spent a few years with the Yankees, was nothing less than just a ball of motivation and energy with the Yankees. A one-man comedy routine especially with the spring training videos of him breaking Zach Britton's balls. (laughs) The whole nine yards also had his fair share of excellence on the mound with the Yankees, throwing a hard fastball and at the time perfecting that devastating changeup that he used so much. And he had his rough times here and there, yeah. He had his injury troubles the last couple of years, yeah, he has. But a lot of good memories with Tommy Canely. Well, it was announced to the pleasure of many Yankee fans, including myself, to be honest, that on a two-year, $11.5 million contract, Tommy Canely is returning to the pinstripes. Yeah, why not? Another round of applause. (laughs) Oh, God. The sound effects are funny. (laughs) So, yeah, Tommy Tight Pants, as they used to call him. He's back. So I assume we're going to get another montage of a lot of foolish behavior going down at spring training with him. (laughs) And I cannot wait to see what he has in store. Even he said that he has a lot of unfinished business. And that gets me amped, man, because Tommy Canely is full of energy and motivation. He could end up being a very good secret weapon out in that bullpen where I've said the Yankees could definitely afford to add another bullpen arm or two. Hopefully he does. I mean... 
He didn't pitch that much last year, although he did pitch to a very nice ERA with the Dodgers. And he did have Tommy John surgery. He was gone for a while. And so he's had his injury troubles. Did he have his times of difficulty? Yeah, he did. But he also had a lot of great times here, especially in an era where the Yankees were looking to be really legit, especially back in 2017. We all remember that amazing fun year where the Yankees acquired him and he ended up being a big weapon pitching to a 270 ERA in 32 appearances. And 2018, had a bit of a rough go at it. 2019, a bit better. And 2020, he had the one appearance in the shortened season, got hurt. Didn't pitch in 2021 at all, recovering. Then last year, he pitched to a 284 with the Dodgers, only in 13 appearances. But, who knows? He could access and channel that really good pitching that we witnessed in 2017. Who knows? But I do know that I and many others were sad to see him go, even though at the time it was a bit understandable because he had gotten hurt and, you know, all the, it was just a lot going on. So I am very glad to see that he's back, and I hope he ends up being a big piece of that bullpen, man. It would be a really good throwback to times of old, and it would certainly help out that bullpen. Definitely would. So hopefully it works out with Canely. Glad to see him back. But, I mean, there's just so much going on around all of baseball, let alone just the Yankees. I mean, I just wanted to touch on all the other crap that happened at the winter meetings because last week and the week before that and just basically since the start of the offseason, whenever I mention the winter meetings and the fact that the winter meetings this year were the first one since 2019 since COVID ruined 2020 and 2021 was ruined by the lockout. So I was really just hoping and praying that at the winter meetings, a lot went down, whether it be with Judge and anything else with the Yankees or just around Major League Baseball overall. And I told everybody to keep their eyes peeled for things happening at the winter meetings when I said goodbye to you last week. And it turns out you didn't really have to keep your eyes peeled because it was all in our faces. (laughs) So much happened. So many other deals went down. Bogarts, Xander Bogarts, talked about the shortstop market, a potential possibility for the Yankee infield. Nope. To the Padres, 11 years, 280. After everyone was told, everyone, the news was all over the place that he was on the verge of signing back with Boston. What the hell? (laughs) Oh my God, 11 years, 280. That's a big contract for Xander Bogarts. Bogarts is a solid player, don't get me wrong, he's really good. 11 years, 280 though. My God. Wow. It's just the Padres just willing to get everybody and throw money everywhere. I mean, listen, anytime owners spend, that's a good thing in my opinion. So a lot of organizations could learn a good lesson from that, but my God, it was crazy. Talk about ripping out the hearts of every Red Sox fan. My God, to my fellow Red Sox fans, friends out there, I am sorry. But hey, the Sox did get Kenley Jansen. Interesting there, two years, $32 million. Got some help for their bullpen, which is definitely needed, so good for them with that. Got themselves a nice veteran closer there. Jansen isn't quite what he used to be, but it's a good veteran presence out there in the bullpen, and he is a definitive closer, so hopefully you can help them out there. For my fellow Red Sox fans, friends, not in general, I hope the Red Sox lose 162 games next year, and every year after that. <laughs> but for the sake of my fellow Red Sox fan friends out there, many of whom I know are listening right now, I hope for you that it goes well. Not in general, if that makes sense. 
They also did get, the Red Sox also got Masataka Yoshida from Japan, a star outfielder in Japan. And we did mention him briefly on here at the start of the offseason as a potential possibility for the Yankees if they're looking at a potential left fielder from overseas. He was briefly mentioned. I never really took it seriously, and I'm, I'm glad I didn't, because really after that, I didn't mention him that much, as you guys who listen every week probably know. But the Red Sox did get him. He's with Boston now. Five years, $90 million. Plus, of course, since he was posted as a free agent just this winter from Japan, a posting fee of over $15 million. So it totals around $105 million. And a lot of people are saying that that was an overpay for him. I don't know, man. Boston letting a star there as go. They already let Mookie go in the past, of course. And I don't really know what the plan is now. After a season like last season, yeah, they did get Jansen for the bullpen, but it's not nearly enough, really. I just hope, especially for the amount of money that they paid for him, since he's not a proven commodity here in the States yet, I hope Yoshida works out for them. And But otherwise, they're having a weird offseason. They're really not doing whatever it takes to win. I mean, Bloom is weird. He was saying that he doesn't really care what anybody says, just anything that takes the organization in the right direction. As long as that's happening, then I'm content. Well, it's not happening, dude. Really odd behavior out of the Red Sox. They're being really cheap. It's odd. I mean, but they shoveled out the dollars for Yoshida, though, someone who hasn't played a single minute in the States yet. Just really weird. I mean, I never expected them to match what the Padres gave to Bogarts, for instance, because that's just a crazy deal. But, I mean, still, they just... Sounds like that their offer to Bogarts to begin with was just significantly lower. Like, they weren't even in play. I'm sure that discussions were deep because Xander probably wanted to be back with the Red Sox. But, I mean, my God. Really weird offseason for Boston. Really weird. I mean, I guess you're going to lose your player if another organization is willing to really overpay somebody. And you're not. I mean, that's just the way that it goes. So, that's weird. Really weird. Also, other things, Trey Turner. Another 11-year contract. What's the 11-year contracts? <laughs> 11 years, 300 with the Phillies. So, another big shortstop on that list that we've spoken about for weeks now. Bogarts, Turner, gone. Turner to the Phillies, 11 years, 300. Good for him, man. (laughs) Another monster deal. And they also added Taiwan Walker from the Mets, four years, 72 million there to the Phillies as well. A lot of money for him too. And upon these moves happening, I mean, Taiwan Walker's a pitcher, but especially Trey Turner happening. How about the Phillies' projected lineup for 2023 after adding Turner? They're one through six. I mean, have you taken a second to look at it with the addition of Trey Turner? I mean, in no particular order, you've got Schwarber, now you got Turner, then you got Harper, Real Muto, Castellanos, Hoskins. I mean, even Alec Bohm isn't bad if you want to add a seventh. He's not bad. But damn, dude. The 2022 National League champions looking even better in that lineup. Good Lord. So Trey Turner there as well as Taiwan Walker. And speaking of those Mets from before when I mentioned Taiwan Walker, there's definitely a lot of news regarding them this past week. 
They got Justin Verlander, and we mentioned that he was in talks with them potentially to go there. We know that Steve Cohen is willing to spend, and they had just lost to Grom, so they need something to cover that. Well, they did end up getting Justin Verlander. Two years, $86 million, as we now know. Annual average on that salary through the roof. Very similarly to Max Scherzer, his former teammate with the Tigers, now reunited. And like with Scherzer, since their contracts are very familiar, except Scherzer got three years, Verlander got two, both very similarly have through the roof annual average earnings on their contracts. I mean, and of course, they're way up there in age. Scherzer in his late 30s, Verlander, I believe he's 40. I believe because I honestly have not even checked. Let me take a quick look at that. Justin Verlander, he is 39. And his birthday is in February. So by the time the season starts, he'll be 40. So I knew he was either 39 or 40, somewhere in the middle there, and he is. So he'll be 40 when the season starts. And of course... They're both great pitchers, have been for a long time, seasoned veterans by now, but that fear personally does exist that I was telling with the Yankees too. So, you know, I'm not just saying this to be a Met hater. I'm not even a Met hater to begin with. I don't particularly like them, of course, but I'm not a hater. I don't despise them. But I'll reiterate that fear that I had if the Yankees were to get him. Because the Yankees, of course, looking for pitching as the Rodon rumors continue to be as hot as ever. But the Verlander rumors, I mean, there were some whispers with him being associated with the Yankees. I had a feeling it wouldn't happen. But I did tell of a certain fear that I had if he were to come to the Yankees. I did say that, oh, you know, just with our luck, he'll come to the Yankees. He'll get paid a boatload of money. And next year will just happen to be the year. With the fact that he got Tommy John late in his career and how old he is, it'll just be the year that he magically just hits a wall, decreases, the contract will be a disaster, he'll be a detriment to the rotation, and the whole nine yards, you know the deal. With our luck, that'll just be the deal. And hopefully for the Mets, that is not what happens. Because I did have that fear. I mentioned it. For the scenario of if he were to come to the Yankees. And that fear does exist with the Mets too, probably even more so considering that they also do have Scherzer, who not only has left a remarkably bad taste in the mouths of many Mets fans with his final two starts, the one in the playoffs and the one in Atlanta, the one in Atlanta, of course, coming first, but because Scherzer also has his injury troubles, he did get hurt last year too, so if that happens again... If either of those things or both of those things happen again, then Scherzer's contract will be looking even worse in the eyes of many Met fans who have already had enough of losing for so many years now. And if that happens to be the deal with Verlander too, where he just happens to hit a wall this year magically, that just happens to be the year where his decline starts finally, he's already gone against the odds enough, then it could of course turn out to be quite the dumpster fire. So, or on the other side of things, they could both be great together, reunited, legendary veterans, both Hall of Famers, both champions, and they happen to take that to Queens, lead the rotation along the way, and lead them to their first world title in almost 40 years. So it could be awesome, 
or it could be a complete disaster. And I don't see much middle ground being there. So I'm nervous for the Mets with this, but I'm also very happy for them because let's not pretend like getting Verlander is an awful thing. It's Justin freaking Verlander. But I'm also level-headedly putting out that concern out there that there's a chance that it could turn out to be really bad. (laughs) Who knows? Baseball is not predictable. We could all predict things here and there. I predict my fair share of things, but I am also wrong about my fair share of things, as is everyone else. So time will tell what happens there. But to also help cover the loss of Jacob deGrom, the Mets did also get Jose Quintana, two years, $26 million. I'm just glad the Yankees didn't get him. Been very vocal for a long time that I want nothing to do with him. I want better. So they got him. And then their work continued even beyond the winter meetings, good on the Mets, because they ended up bringing Nimmo back, so that's another outfield option off the board now. A lot of Yankee fans were speculating as to whether or not he could be a Yankee and how much they would like or dislike that. Nimmo's a solid player. Don't get me wrong, I think he's pretty good. But he got a big deal too, especially for him. Eight years, 162? I mean, the annual average earnings on that is not catastrophic, but the eight years, especially for someone I believe he's going to be 30 if he's not already. I mean, that's a big contract for Brandon Nimmo, man. The eight years especially, that was surprising to me. That's a long contract for him. But listen, for him, good for him nonetheless. Steve Cohen, again, is willing to give out those big contracts, willing to spend. And they did so even more after that because they also brought in David Robertson for their bullpen. Another good bullpen option off the board. I would have loved to see a Yankee return for him, but instead he's going to be across town. And that's going to be tough to see, but good for them for getting him too. Good setup piece for Edwin Diaz, who they also got back earlier in the offseason, re-signed him almost right away. So that's good for the back end of their bullpen. Good get for them. One year, $10 million. And then they also yesterday got Senga, Kodai Senga. It's a badass name, to be honest. (laughs) He's an ace pitcher from Japan, another name that we have heard on the pitching market potentially, and there there was word that the Red Sox were in on him and a few other teams as well, and he ended up with the Mets. So that's a good move, especially following Quintana for the rotation, because like I said, Quintana just, I didn't want the Yankees having anything to do with him, and especially for the Mets, since the rotation seemed to have fallen off significantly after Scherzer. I think that... uh, he just, just him was not quite enough to have me at least personally feeling comfortable for them as far as the rotation. Quintana just wasn't enough himself. So, cause I'm just not that big of a fan of his. He had his good years, but mainly like out of the last five to eight years, most of them have been pretty bad. So I think Senga was a necessary final addition for their rotation. And even though again, like Yoshida, he's not a proven commodity here in the United States yet. You can only hope for the Mets that it works out because, again, otherwise, especially if Verlander and or Scherzer don't work out, then (laughs) they might have some issues. By the way, did you see what the Mets' payroll now is? Especially after the luxury tax? Holy mother of God. (laughs) I mean, after signing Senga... After luxury tax, the payroll's got to be hovering around $400 million now. $400 million. Holy crap. Holy crap is right, Frank Barone. I mean, I saw that while I was eating, and my fork just fell straight out of my mouth. 
I mean, even without the luxury tax, right now I'm pretty sure their payroll's just a bit under $350 million. I mean, good God. <laughs> but again, you know what? I'm happy for the Met fans out there. They've been through enough suffering with the Wilpon days. And Steve Cohen is good for the sport. He is spending. He is doing whatever it takes to put a winning product on the field. Do I think the Mets could still use a better move here and there? Yeah, possibly. But I think they did a decent job at filling the void of Jacob DeGrom. Even though, you know, a lot of people will talk about how DeGrom didn't pitch, barely pitched the last couple of years. That's valid. But you're still losing a hell of a talent for when he is healthy. You can't deny that. So I think he's doing a good job. And listen, he's doing whatever it takes. You can say what you want about Steve Cohen. You could say that the Mets have still come up short a couple of times under him. But the one thing you can't say about him is that he does not do whatever it takes financially. I mean, this is the highest payroll of all time by far. It's crazy what he's doing. I'm pretty sure it's... I saw some Twitter account post this today. Forgive me for not remembering if they happen to be listening by chance. But, I mean, listen, if you're listening and you know that this was you, then you know it. Credit to you. (laughs) I guess I'm given anonymous credit. But I'm pretty sure I saw a stat somewhere saying that the Mets' current payroll is about $85 million higher than the Yankees' Highest payroll ever, which has been, I believe, $259 million. And like I said, before you factor in the luxury tax, which, I mean, the penalty is, got, is ridiculous for the Mets right now because of how over they've gone, the threshold that they have just blown past. But even without that, I believe it's just around, just under $350 million. Insanity. But again... Good for Steve Cohen. It's good to see owners spending what they actually have. (laughs) Because a lot of them can't afford to spend that. They just don't. But, wow, man. And good for the Met fans. I know I have a lot of Met fan friends out there, and they're just overjoyed. And even if, even in in light of coming up short, it's just refreshing for a lot of them to see this happening and have an owner that gives this much of a crap that he is just spending money up the wazoo just to put as good a team as he possibly can out there for the fans. And after all the years of suffering they had to go through with the Wilpons, good for them, man. I'm certainly not going to rag on their happiness over all of it. I can only imagine what they're feeling now that they have an owner who actually gives half a crap. So like I said, we'll see how it goes with them, but they've had a lot of action the last week, so that's why they've been a major point of discussion. But other than that, plenty else happened around the league. Uh, Wilson Contreras went to the Cardinals, five years, $87.5 million. Mitch Hanniger went to the Giants, so they got an outfielder, just not one named Aaron Judge. They did get one named Arson Judge, though. I'm so sorry, I just can't help myself. And by the way, nice recruiting attempt of Judge on your Instagram story after you're signing with the Giants, Mitch. Fail! But he, uh... <laughs> he signed a three-year, $43.5 million deal with them. The Cubs got Cody Bellinger. One year, 17 and a half. so... And another name they got was Jameson Tyone, by the way. Tyone did go to the Cubs. Just had a feeling he wasn't coming back. I didn't know where he was going to go, but he did end up with 
the Cubs. So, listen, Tyone had his good times here. He had his bad times here. And when he first got here, he was definitely an experiment because he was coming off of Tommy John surgery. And he had also fought cancer in the past. And he had just gone through a lot. And the Yankees took him on to see what he had. And like I said, he had a share of good starts. He had a share of bad starts, a mix of it. And uh, he was definitely, he definitely seemed like a positive force to have around the clubhouse. The guys seemed to get along with him. He seemed to be just a good guy to have around. Not necessarily a top-end starter, of course. Nobody's saying he was. But um, certainly wasn't a bad piece to have around. I don't think he was bad. Definitely can't say that. So I definitely wish all the best of luck to Tyone in Chicago. Signed a four-year, $68 million contract. Not a bad contract for him at all. And I wish him nothing but the best. Speaking of former Yankee experiments, especially a disaster as bad as this one, Andrew Heaney to the Rangers. He'll be joining DeGrom down there. Josh Bell to Cleveland. The Guardians, two years, $33 million. Kevin Kiermeyer. Some people were wondering what was happening to him. The Blue Jays brought him in yesterday, so he's staying in division from the Rays for all these years to the Blue Jays, so he is not leaving the American League East division. I think it's safe to say at this point, you get the idea. I mean, it's just a lot went down. As I was hoping for and expecting for the first winter meeting since 2019, quite a bit happened. I think it's pretty safe to say. And... I'm looking for even more to happen, despite how much has already taken place. (laughs) Even with the Yankees, despite the electricity for all of us surrounding judges re-signing. But like I said before, there's still so much more to be done. And the good news is that the off-season hot stove remains blazing hot. It's been a very fun last couple of weeks, give or take. And it does beg to question, what? comes next with the stove still being as hot as it is, particularly for our Yankees, which does perfectly segue us into our final part of the show, as always, our social media segment. I got an open-ended question for you today, guys, pretty straightforward, and it bounces right off what we were just talking about, particularly for the last 20 minutes to a half an hour, about everything that has happened in the last couple of weeks, particularly at the winter meetings, but with the stove still remaining hot and with talk and speculation still as lively as it has ever been this winter. The question for this week is, what do you think comes next for the Yankees after bringing Judge back? So we're all overjoyed or at least most of us, are overjoyed by Aaron Judge coming back. Now, since we've celebrated that and spoken about that, even spoken about many of the other things that have happened throughout Major League Baseball just in the last week alone, let alone everything else, what do you think comes next now? What ideas do you have? I gave you since yesterday to brainstorm. Now, for me personally, I've basically given my wish list for the offseason Many times. I guess I'll just briefly repeat it now for the sake of this question today. But the rumors are remaining as hot as ever on Carlos Rodon. People saying that they really don't see a better fit for him than the Yankees. And Scott Boris is his guy. So it should take time as it has continued to. So I'm being patient over here. 
but I definitely think Rodon would be a killer addition to the rotation. You can never have too much pitching. Everybody always says that cliche, age-old expression because it is true, especially in the case of the Yankees, because let's say someone in the rotation like Severino, who's had his share of health issues, gets hurt again. It's good to have another guy like Rodon there to provide some backup and be another top-end starter to help compensate for that. Let's say Severino even stays healthy. Let's say everybody stays healthy. Then look at that one through four. Cole, Rodon, Nestor, Sevi. One through four is murder, people. Murder. And I know many people will be quick to mention, I already hear it, that, oh, Mike, what did the Yankees in was the offense mainly. That was the main problem. Pitching actually wasn't their problem this time. I understand that. But you know another age-old expression other than there's never enough pitching. But pitching usually is what majorly aids you in winning a title. You're facing some of the world's best talent, with hitting especially, in the playoffs. Having elite pitching will carry you unbelievably. You also, of course, need the bats. You can't win without scoring. That goes without saying. But you want to tell me that if Rodon was presented to you and it was possible to get him, you would turn him away just because you feel like you need hitting more? You're the Yankees. Why don't you do all of it? Or most of it? Both aspects. You're more than capable. I mean, there's a lot of talk out there what Rodon might be expecting. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's looking for six years. Maybe we could get him for five. And if he gets six, is he going to be given like $180 Because that's $30 million a year. That could be seen as an overpay for some people, despite him having a good last two seasons. Before that, especially in a lot of the seasons in his Chicago days, he was just all right some seasons, or maybe even kind of bad. But I, I tend to look at the last couple of years. Last couple of years in San Francisco are killer. I mean, between the great ERA, all the strikeouts he's gotten, around 240 strikeouts last year, a killer left-handed pitcher with a great mentality for New York, throws really hard, a dominant, overpowering left-handed pitcher to add to the mix, so that at the top four, you have two righties in Cole and Seve, and two lefties in Rodon and Nestor, a really nice combination there. Hopefully Montes figures his crap out this year and can serve as a solid five. And if he does, Seve stays healthy. You're looking at, like I said before, a murderous potential Yankee rotation there. If it holds up, it's an if, I know. But aren't all sports? Because you could put out just a devastating, god-tier roster out there. And half of them or all of them could get hurt and invalidate it all anyway. That's the kind of thing that tends to happen in sports sometimes. So you could do your best and still have it go to crap because it just wasn't meant to be. So, I mean, I would personally love the addition of Rodon for all those reasons. I've been vouching for him for weeks, especially as more and more names in plenty of other aspects, including pitching, continue to fly off the board and he's still there. And the rumors with him and the Yankees have been as strong as they've been. I... I just think he's a great fit here. I think it would be awesome. Also, they obviously need to figure out their left field situation, especially with guys like Nimmo off the board. If you were looking overseas at all, then Yoshida is off the board. If you happen to even be into a Kevin Kiermeyer by chance, he's off the board. He's with Toronto now. So some people, like I've said, have continued to fly off the board. The main two guys, the main two that I've spoken about, especially since one of them requested a trade from Pittsburgh, the main two, 
Brian Reynolds, who the Yankees could very well try to trade for. And also, the man who played with them for the second half of last year, or at least some of it, because he got hurt for a large chunk of it, Andrew Benintendi, who I've also said I would not mind at all seeing back in pinstripes. So you got to figure out the left field situation. And also, what's doing with the left side of the infield? There have even been rumors this past week that other than just Rodon or possibly even something with left field, the Yankees could be working on something even bigger. They've hinted at this thing. Michael Kay was the first to say that, really, that something bigger was in the works. Could it be for the infield? Could it even be for the outfield, maybe? Because it's, other than just Rodon, he said, then it's, it's a big thing. And even some infielders have flown off the board, as we know. Trey Turner, gone. Xander Bogarts, gone. So a couple of big shortstop names off the list. And there's the one big one where there was a lot of controversy around last offseason as well that some people think it could be about, and it is with none other than Carlos Correa. So the discussion has, in a sense, been revived a year later from when we were talking last winter about Correa possibly coming over to the Yankees. And Correa has the opportunity again to make some big money this winter. Will the Yankees pass on him again? I mean, me personally, I'm going to stick to what I said last winter, despite my new support for Oswald Peraza and Anthony Volpe expecting him at some point in 2023. I do support them. But I'm not going to make believe that I... You know, I would be like, nah, Carlos Correa is an awful choice. Strictly for on the field, because I've made it known how I feel about him as a person. But when it comes to what he could bring to this team, I mean, that's not really a debate. Carlos Correa would be a fantastic addition. And me personally, I've... You don't really believe it, because especially me personally, being Italian and all, (laughs) I tend to hold some grudges, but I am... Kind of over 2017. And I think a lot of people were over it officially after this year because, you know, as far as we know, the Astros have not cheated since then. And uh, especially in 2022, they were still able to hand the Yankees their asses in the ALCS worse than ever before. So it's just the way it is, you know? So um, I would be perfectly fine with adding Carlos Correa to the infield, I think it'd be fantastic. People are saying, oh, well, if you're going to trust in Peraza and or Volpe for shortstop, then what are you going to do with them when it comes to the rest of the infield, especially if you, if you keep Glaber and DJ still around? Well, it hasn't been ruled out that he could possibly be moved to third base. Maybe. I'm pretty sure he would rather play shortstop, though, because that really is his main position that he's played for so many years. But... There's a lot of word that Carlos Correa could be that other big thing in the works. The other big thing in the works could possibly be them maybe putting together a trade for Brian Reynolds for left field. Because it's not so easy as just signing him or signing somebody else. It's put together a trade, figure out who you'd be willing to give up. Prospects, maybe someone on the big league roster. Who the hell knows? So who knows what this bigger thing is that they have in the works. But regardless, what I want to be next, what should be next... Definitely should be adding Rodon to the rotation, even if hitting is more of a need and there are more gaping holes offensively and defense in the field. 
it certainly cannot hurt to bring Rodon on board for the rotation and for the team overall. Figure out left field, whether it be Benintendi or Reynolds, I'd be fine with either one. I think they're both great talents to have alongside guys like Bader and Judge in the outfield. And maybe occasionally if somebody needs a day off or what have you, Stanton makes his way out there. Also another great outfielder to have. Despite how many years he went without playing the outfield, the rust is just not there. He's still great. And you also have to figure out the infield. Are you willing to get Carlos Correa? What are you going to do with Glaber Torres? Are you going to put DJ at third base? Could he be utility if you don't trust him as much because of his health the last couple of years? You brought IKF back. Are you going to use him in a trade or are you going to use him for utility? Are you going to put him at shortstop again like a bunch of boneheads? What are your plans? What are you going to do with Donaldson? I think it's safe to say that I, for a long time now, and fortunately many others have hopped aboard this train since, I've been aboard the get rid of Donaldson train since before he played a game in pinstripes. Because as you know, I didn't even like the trade with Minnesota to begin with. But uh, what do you do with him? Kind of stuck in a really tough place with him because he's making a boatload of money next year yet again. And the guy can't hit. Despite how much the Yankees will try to spin it to you. That uh, they hope that he can unlock some form of his older self. Give me a break. So... And while he's batting in the 220s or lower and really not doing much of anything to contribute outside of an occasional good play here and there in the field, I have to watch him act like an arrogant ass on the field to all the opponents that are handing his own ass to him. Nobody wants to watch that. So what are you going to do with Donaldson? Are you going to find a way to eat most of or all of his money, maybe package him off in a trade somewhere? These are decisions that have to be made with guys like him, Hicks, Pieces of dead weight on the team like that. So the left side of the infield, left field, what are you going to do with Rodon? These are things that have to be addressed. Maybe even adding one more relief pitcher. Who knows? But the Yankee bullpen right now, especially with the addition of Canely, if he does show at least some semblance of his old self, the bullpen could already be in decent shape. But another arm couldn't hurt. But I'm, I'm more so looking at the major things that need to be addressed right now, even more so. And I consider that to be left field, the left side of the infield, and adding Rodon would be fantastic. So these are just a bunch of things could be next, should be next, many of us want to be next. Let's hear your thoughts on it. What comes next for the Yankees? What do you think should be next for the Yankees? Whatever you feel, let's get your thoughts on it. First up is at NYYSportsFan96 saying Rodon trade for an outfielder, and one last bullpen piece. Well, yeah, the bullpen piece, I got to be honest with you, like I said before, I would have liked for it to be David Robertson. I really did. Um, I thought a Yankees reunion here would have been cool. I said that many times, even around the trade deadline time. I've been saying it for a while now. It's not just a new development in light of him signing with the Mets. Um, But I thought a D-Rob reunion here could be pretty cool. Um, I know all the stuff that happened back then that could maybe uh, leave a bad taste in people's mouths or maybe David Robertson's own mouth about coming back here, but just strictly for the team on the field, I think it could have been nice. But he's with the Mets now. Trading for an outfielder could very well be Brian Reynolds. I would not be mad at it. (laughs) And of course, Rodon, yes. He is the centerpiece of discussion now. I believe it's safe to say now that Judge's signing is out of the way. 
Up next, we've got at Christopher Paul saying, Correa to New York, I'm manifesting it. Well, I do have to say, when I read this comment, I'm surprised because my boy Kush is actually an Astros fan. So I'm actually surprised that he's manifesting his former star shortstop to the Yankees. So, but fair enough. That is definitely a point of discussion, as it was last winter. Again, strictly for on-the-field purposes, he could definitely bring a great amount here, a terrific defender. He'll give you quite a bit offensively as well. He could be a bat towards the top of the lineup or the middle of the lineup, no doubt, obviously. And uh, I, I think it'd be a great addition, so I'm, I'm not going to take issue with that. Obviously, I'm not pleased with some of the things that Correa has done and said in the past, but um, I'll try to let bygones be bygones and try to remember what he could bring to the Yankees on the field. And then whenever I do that, I find myself in favor of it. So it is what it is. Up next, but I am surprised you're manifesting that, man. I am. <laughs> Up next is at Musician DMD, my friend Spencer, saying, I'm so ecstatic about Judge coming back, I haven't even thought about other moves. As a youngster, I was devastated when my favorite player, Reggie Jackson, wasn't re-signed after 1981. I feared that same feeling of dreadful disappointment the night before the news came out of Judge's re-signing, even though Judge is young enough to be my nephew. <laughs> Securing his return has taken an exceptional precedent over other matters. That said, I think the Yankees need to shore up their bullpen. That seems to be overlooked. Yeah, that was what Wednesday, and and honestly a little bit right now as well, but mostly on Wednesday, the day of. That's what I was feeling too, man. Like I said, Wednesday was such an internal and external celebration day that I wasn't really even thinking about anything else. Carlos Rodon didn't exist anymore. The left side of the infield didn't exist. Left field didn't exist for the day. It was just all about Judge. It was Aaron Judge Day. <laughs> so, I hear you there. And reminiscing about being a youngster with Reggie Jackson and everything, that's another thing. And I heard somebody on Sports Talk Radio mention this, and it couldn't be more true. But they were so happy that, and I am too, upon thinking about this, because... Even though I really mainly saw Jeter's second half of his career, maybe a little before the second half, all the way to the end, but Jeter really was my generation's guy. Jeter, as you know, isn't only my favorite Yankee or baseball player ever, he's my favorite athlete ever. Jeter is my idol. Very much so in life, let alone just in sports, and being a sports fan and a Yankee fan. But Judge, right now, with the current generation... With Judge coming back, and especially if he's to win a title, which of course we all hope happens, of course, because then then that'll really cement his legacy here, truly. Because then if he doesn't win, then you know what everybody's going to say. Oh, you know, he's he's not a, the, if he's made captain, oh, he's a, not the legit captain because he never won a, a title here, and he never helped lead the Yankees to a title, as if it's 100% on him, and as if other Yankee captains also had the fortune of winning a title, <laughs> Mattingly. <laughs> And I love Mattingly, but it's just another example. So, anyways, but with his coming back, this generation who looks up to Judge the way I did Jeter and you, seemingly Reggie Jackson and many others, other captains or iconic Yankees in the past, they have now gotten their Jeter in light of his resigning. And that's awesome for this new generation of kids who looks up to judge like that. And I know so many of them do. So many of them do. So I'm very happy for them when it comes to that in relation to what you said about Reggie Jackson. 
So, and yeah, him him really taking precedent over other matters, yeah, he was the top priority, or at least one of the top ones. Things did get done before him. You know, other moves were made, whether it be Anthony Rizzo or other things, but he was definitely the big one of the offseason. That's out of the way now, so let's look at what's next. We celebrated about it, we're happy about it, and we'll always talk about it. But now going forward, yeah, you mentioned the bullpen. Yeah, they could definitely use another arm or two. Again, I would have liked for that to be D-Rob, but there's not much we can do about that now, can we? Up next is Rebecca at Peace Now for Life, and she says, I think the Yankees will sign Rodon and possibly an outfielder like Benintendi, hoping to see some trades like Donaldson and Hicks. Yeah, everybody hopes for those two to be offloaded somehow. Somehow, because you got to do something about their contracts. Hicks with the amount of time that he has left on his and Donaldson with the amount of money he's making this year. It's not going to be easy. We'll see what they happen to do. They're going to have to get creative. We've mentioned all the potential possibilities. And Rodon and Benintendi, yeah, the general consensus seems to be Rodon, Benintendi, Rodon, Reynolds, and probably another bullpen arm. I mean, yeah, that seems to be the general thing, so no surprise there. At Zalman888 says, Rodon would be good, but not for seven years. Maybe another starting pitcher. I was curious who else you'd be looking at, but yeah, seven years is iffy. The, the number I've heard a lot is six, and that the Yankees are trying to get him for five. I'm not really sure about much of anything else. My phone keeps vibrating. I'm just going to hold it, not let it sit on the table. <laughs> when it sits on the table, it's easier for the microphone to catch the vibration sound. That is not ideal audio-wise. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what the amount of years ends up being for Rodon, whether it be with the Yankees or another team. But it'd be nice to get him for six or less, I guess. I guess I'd be willing to do six. He'd be a great addition. He really would. I, I really look forward to seeing where he's going. At Talking Rivals says, hopefully Rodon, then possibly trade for a left fielder. I don't see Correa because they could have signed him last season to a shorter deal and didn't. Would also like to see them trade JD, Hicks, and IKF to free up money and roster spots. Yeah, we'd all like to see that last part. No doubt about that. Or at least those of us with a brain would. Rodon, of course, yep, trade for a left fielder. Could possibly be Reynolds, as I've said. And yeah, it's a good point about Correa last year because they've... uh. They have said how much they believe in guys like Peraza, Volpe. They believe in them. So, and we've heard the reports about how they want the middle infield to be Volpe and Peraza. We'll see if they stick to their word or if they choose to go another direction ultimately. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, as much as I'd be in favor for it because he would definitely benefit the Yankees, there's just no debate there. Um, I. I tend to agree with you when I don't see Correa coming here. I'd be pleasantly surprised if he did, but I don't really see it happening, to be honest. I just can't. Um, and especially with Glaber still being around and DJ still here, and as long as you still have guys like Donaldson, IKF on the roster, and Peraza still up, and Oswaldo Cabrera is still here, there's definitely a big infield logjam. So the Yankees have work to do with that if they want some changes to be made. They have a lot of work to do. So that's why I'm saying that the work near isn't nearly done yet. just isn't. So, and yeah, another another reason for not making big signings with last year's all-time shortstop class, of course, was them looking ahead and thinking about paying Judge. Paying Judge is done. And it would have made them look that much worse if they didn't because they would have said, oh, you know, well, what happened to last winter then? You used Judge's potential contract as an excuse to not make a big signing last winter and you don't even bring him back now? I definitely had that one in the holster. <laughs> you better believe that. But didn't come to that. But yeah, you make good points. You do. 
especially the last one about dumping JD, Hicks, and even IKF. Like I said, I'd be okay with IKF even being utility, but they did sign him back for $6 million. It's a bit expensive for utility, but it could also be an anticipation of maybe even using him in a package. But it's not going to be easy to trade them away, man, because there's not much to uh, be thrilled about there if you're on the receiving end. <laughs> At Derek DeFill saying, Rodon and dumping Donaldson somehow. Good goals to have. <laughs> but I, I would go even further than that. Got to keep going. At Yankee Ken says, Carlos Rodon followed by a left fielder, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. But they also got to figure out the left side of the infield. And the infield overall, to be honest. Like I said, with Glaber and DJ still being around, Oswaldo Cabrera still being around. If you have Oswald Peraza being around, if you don't deal him. And if Anthony Volpe doesn't come up at some point. You got IKF potentially for utility. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. You got to figure it out. So basically the entire infield, other than Anthony Rizzo, you got to be pretty sure about what you want to do. At Laura underscore Icemont, my friend Laura says, Yankees sign Rodon and Benintendi. Maybe another pitcher after those two. I'd say the rotation is pretty set if they were to sign Rodon. I would look for the bullpen. And yeah, I wouldn't mind Benintendi back, as I've said. Definitely not. Up next is at JBH0925 saying, Coming next, nothing much. Then 89 wins and a wild card game in which they get two hit and lose 7 nothing. Well, that's that's kind of optimism I like. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Good Lord, man. You want some optimism before the offseason is really even like halfway over yet? <laughs> I mean, my God. Listen, I understand... A lot of people are saying that with Cashman being back that they can never have faith in them again because they just don't think they're going to win. I can't fight against that anymore. I can't. I haven't for a while now, and I still can't because they're not wrong. They haven't won under Cashman in almost a decade and a half. So I understand the pessimism. I do. But especially if they make all of these necessary moves that we have thrown out there, then... I mean, if they go into next season without guys like Donaldson and Hicks and making these necessary improvements after signing Judge even, which is a big thing in itself, like getting a Rodon to further bolster the rotation, getting a left fielder, figuring out the left side of the infield and making it dominant, and maybe even adding that other bullpen arm, which again, I would have liked for it to be D-Rob, but it is what it is, then that's a pretty damn good squad. And when it comes to the bullpen, you're also you also can't forget that you got someone like Michael King coming back next year too. So I don't know. I I think it would be a pretty solid team at that point, and I think the Yankees will have done just about everything they could have done. It would be pretty epic, to be honest. If they drop the dead weight, get a solid left fielder out there like a Benintendi or a Reynolds, figure out the left side of the infield, get Rodon. That'd be pretty re- that would be a very respectable offseason for the Yankees it really would be and then, then I'd say we'll see what happens in 2023 then we'll see and at that point you kind of you got to give your kudos to the front office because they'll have done a lot by that point but they've definitely still got a ways to go until there so we'll wait and see at rebirth chaos 09 my friend James says I would hope it would be Rodon and possibly a trade I would love Reynolds from Pittsburgh and he did admit to requesting a trade, so that's something I would try to go for. The roster needs to improve if the Yankees want to beat Houston. Also find a way to offload Donaldson and Hicks. Well, yeah, the last part goes without saying at this point. We've been saying it for God knows how long. Um, 
Yeah, the main objective is to beat Houston. We've said that for a long time. I said that all season long, even in the earlier part of the season. Said it again. How many times did I say this year? The Yankees don't have a good team's problem. The Yankees have a Houston problem. And that ended up ultimately coming true yet again, of course. It's very easy to see. It does not take a rocket scientist to notice it. So... That's the main objective. Rodon would be great. Reynolds would be great. Absolutely, James. 100%. Who else we got here? Let's, um... Let's do one more and then our usual final two. Next, we've got at Baseball Tzar saying, Trade for Zach Gallen, Burns, if they take on JD or Hicks. Diamondbacks are overloaded in the outfield, so grab one of them. Bullpen help and re-sign Benintendi. Now, Zach Gallen's an interesting name uh, because, you know, 254 ERA last year, 192 strikeouts and 184 innings pitched. Yeah, it goes without saying that guys like him and especially Burns, great options to have. But, I mean, listen, they take on J.D. or Hicks. <laughs> you're going to have to throw an ungodly amount in there if you're going to package J.D. or Hicks over there. And it's going to take a lot more than that. These are guys who are still under team control and are terrific pitchers. So, <laughs> it's going to cost a lot in players. It really, really is. Especially if you're planning on giving them crap like J.D. or Hicks. I mean, you're going to need a lot more than that. I know they're overloaded in the outfield, but I mean, come on. You need a lot more than that. That's just not very realistic. You need a lot more details than that. And uh, bullpen help, yeah, it'd be good. Resign Benintendi for left field. Do not have a problem with that at all. Oh, I got to fit in one more reply here from uh, my very entertaining and beloved trolling Red Sox fan friend from Twitter, at Blockhead for real, saying... A tragic playoff collapse. <laughs> I mean, listen, I commented this in reply to your comment as well, but so I guess I'll repeat it on here, but block, it would be more routine than tragic at this point when it comes to a playoff exit or collapse for the Yankees at this point. <laughs> uh, I'll go see, I can go along with the troll. I'm a good sport. I'm a good sport. I love you, block. Never change. <laughs> Alright, usual final two. First up, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo says, What I'd like to happen is for the Yankees to get rid of Donaldson and Hicks somehow, but what I think at the very least will happen is that they sign Rodon and another bullpen piece. Yeah, signing Rodon would be good, another bullpen piece would be good. Offloading Donaldson and Hicks somehow it is what we have all been fantasizing about for some time now, and I've given lots of details to how they could do that. They'd have to get creative. They would have to offer a lot more than just them, significant pieces in a trade package. They would have to agree to eat all of or most of the money, likely. The main problem with Hicks, of course, is the amount of years left on his, and Donaldson is the amount of money left on his for 2023. No doubt about that. But uh, that'd be a dream, doing that. Rodon would be great. Another bullpen piece would be fine. But yeah, they do also have to figure out the infield as well, the left side of the infield, that I guess Donaldson partially has to do with that, and a left field as well. So we'll see what happens there. Spoken all about it, obviously. Last but certainly not least is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, first off, thank God the Yankees front office realized they had to do whatever it takes to keep the most wanted baseball player out there. 
I was starting to get really concerned. Now going forward, I'd like to sign Benintendi for left field and keep Peraza for shortstop. I want Rodon for another starting pitcher as well. We seriously need a closer to rely on for the bullpen as well. Pitching is often our shortcoming. When it wasn't last year, we were on fire usually. Let's hope they keep making great choices. Maybe, just maybe, it'll diffuse the fact that we still have Cashman running things. That's a tough pill to swallow. Thanks, Mike, for putting out this Yapping Yankees episode so that we could enjoy the relief together of having Judge back and hopefully become the captain. Whew, there's a lot to dissect here, Mom, as always. But, uh, yeah, listen... They gave Judge the ninth year. That really seemed to be the one thing, and that was really it. And again, I was strangely not very concerned, just waiting back to see what was happening. Benintendi would be really good. Peraza would be solid for shortstop. If an even more proven shortstop talent is not acquired, what are you going to do with uh, third base as well? What are you going to do with second base if you still have Glaber Torres? How are you going to handle the situation with DJ? And when you call it Volpe, it's another piece. You still have Oswaldo Cabrera around. You still have IKF around after re-signing him to a $6 million contract. Things you have to attend to, like I said. Rodon, that's perfectly fine. Closer slash relief pitcher in general. Yeah, that'd be a nice addition as well. Even more so than Canely. Uh, pitching has often been the Yankees' shortcoming in the past, but this year, especially ultimately, it really was the offense, Mom. So uh, that's why there's also a major emphasis on figuring out the gaping holes in the offense and defense because, you know, it was a, uh, a big thing in the downfall of the 2022 Yankees. So, yeah, hopefully the great choices continue on. And, yeah, about putting out this Yapping Yankees episode, listen, it's my pleasure. I said last week that if anything major was to happen, whether it be Judge or something else, that I'd be back at you this weekend with another episode, and here I am. Because I was otherwise expecting to continue my bi-weekly thing, taking off this weekend, and then coming at you next weekend, the 18th, before taking the two weeks off in a row for Christmas and New Year's, and then my birthday to immediately follow on Tuesday the 3rd. But Judge happened, a lot of other things happened, and I felt compelled to do a Yapping Yankees episode. I would not be a true fan if I didn't. Had to do it. Come on. So, but even though, even though... I did today's episode. I'm still going to come at you with an episode next week as well because of the two weeks I'm taking off already for Christmas and New Year's, understandably so. And I don't want to not come at you for three weeks in a row. So I will definitely be coming at you with another episode next Sunday, the 18th. And then I will be talking to you next after that in 2023, guys. And with those plans officially being said, I would say that that is a perfect segue to ending the show, wouldn't you say? I think I would. So, with that being said, guys, that is all for episode 166 of Yapping Yankees today. For my fellow Star Wars fans out there, I should say episode 166. And for my non-Star Wars fans out there, if you don't get the reference, I don't know what to tell you. Remember to follow me on all social medias if you do not already, guys. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter, at Mike Scudero. 
and Instagram is MikeScuds97. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all of them. And if you have the time, you could listen to all of the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you may have missed and want to catch up on. Episodes 34 up to 166 today are all on YouTube and every Yapping Yankees episode. Going back to episode 1 all the way to today are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today as always my friends. I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you again next Sunday, December 18th, for the final episode of 2022 for Yapping Yankees, when I come at you with episode 167. But until then, guys, hang in there, especially when it comes to other moves being made in baseball this offseason. Be patient. Please stay safe also as well. Look out for your loved ones. Go ahead and kick life's ass again this week. And after the judge celebration and everything, let's again stay on the lookout for other moves to be made, especially with our Yankees. Necessary moves to make the 2023 team a championship one. Finally. (laughs) Otherwise, I will talk to you next Sunday, the 18th. Take it easy, guys. (laughs) 